Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. It is time for MMA DFS Strategy Show right here on AwesomeO.com. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. I am Jason Floyd. Pete, uh, happy Wednesday to you, brother. How, how you doing, man? What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Jason? I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the final card of 2020. Uh, you know, it's we're going out with a bang, man. This is quite the card. But, uh, you know, I'm good, man. I'm interested to see your take on these fights. And, uh, yeah, can't wait. Of course, I will answer your questions throughout the show as we break down all of these fights. So uh, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. And uh, if you're not subscribed to Osmo right here on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We got a ton of shows for you. NBA season, uh, what we're what, six days or yeah, six days away from the start of the regular season. I, I think I'm going to try to hit up the Raptors game here in Tampa as uh, you know, you know it, it's it's going to be nice to basically drive about 20 minutes for me. To Amway Arena as opposed to about 90 minutes over Orlando to watch some Symbia Asphalt. So uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, hit that notification bell. Let you know when a new show is live here on the channel. Of course, uh, we'll be here for, I guess Pete will say at least the next hour because we have got a ton of fights to get through. It was supposed to be a 15 fight car. Now it's a 14 fight car. We'll see if we lose any more fights. We, we kind of know how th- these cars go in Vegas, but uh before we get there, got to talk a little bit about last week. Pete, kudos to you. Nice call on Charles Oliveira. I mean, as we were talking on the phone yesterday, I said, okay, slow your roll, Doug, because you did not see that coming. You didn't see it coming, just a straight domination to where, like, there was a point where I was like, do I close my eyes because I feel like I'm about to hear an arm snap? Yeah, I saw that happening to a T, Jason. I could have written it. No, I mean... I, I liked Oliveira in the spot. Obviously, um, Tony Ferguson had a lot to overcome in that bout, and now you're facing a dark horse in the division. And, you know, it goes to show you that, you know, everybody's human, and Tony Ferguson can have an off night, and uh, other people can take advantage of that. 
and Charles Oliveira can have an on night and definitely surpass expectations. I really like his prospect in the division much better at 55 than he was at 45, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, dude, that, that arm bar was gnarly. It was gnarly. I loved it. I loved every second of it. And, uh, you know, it was a great fight, great card overall, profitable weekend for a lot of awesome subscribers. Um, you know, I just love seeing our team succeed. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, looking at the uh, look at Fancy Cruncher Rewind in terms of the, the the best lineups on DK last week, 681 points. If you had that lineup, kudos to you, Surreal Gaunt, Tisha Torres, Rafael Fiziev, Cub Swanson, Gavin Tucker, and Brandon Moreno. As uh, I mean, look, the main event, they both scored over 100 points, but obviously the value of, of Bram Moreno was key in that one. By the way, Hunter in the chat, because, uh, you know, hey, we got to send a little some good vibes at the Pete as uh, I don't know what it, this is like living in Florida, but I know you're going through a snowstorm. And uh, Hunter in the chat, yeah, uh, th- there's only one way I'm coming up there. Pete's got to be fighting. That's right. That's right. I like hearing that. I like hearing that. And Jason made the trek up here, uh, you know, the last time I fought for Bellator, which was awesome. Um, yeah, man, we're, we're experiencing a, a nor'easter right now. It's supposed to be at least an inch an hour, um, for the next 12 to 15 hours or something ridiculous like that. So, uh, you know, you got the snow blowers, the, the rocks all, you know, you got, you know, friends with snow plows ready, you know, it's, it's going to be a wild one, but you know, I don't mind the snow up here. If it's going to be cold, Jason, it might as well snow. I've seen snow traveling with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I will tell you, this was years ago. Being in Dallas for the Super Bowl, they had no no of the yeah. snow products. Yeah. And so literally, my hotel oversaw an interstate. I literally saw cars sliding down the road and hitting barriers. Yeah, when when you are in a state that's unprepared like that, you would think like the end of the world is happening. Like people are, are running to get the, you know, the milk and bread in stores and freaking out and whatnot. But uh, up here, this is the norm. Everybody has SUVs and everybody's ready for snowstorms. I mean, look, I'm just waiting for the workout video of you uh, shoveling snow. We got. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, let Pete Sr. know uh, this is the workout for tomorrow for PJ. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be doing something out there, chopping wood, doing something. But, you know, obviously we're here to talk about UFC Vegas number 17, a 14-fight card. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. I think the one thing when you have a fight card like this, you can pretty much just eliminate stacking because you have so many fighters to choose from who, who potentially, you know, could score you 100 points, uh, whether you're playing on DraftKings or whether you're playing on FanDuel. Steven Thompson, Jeff Neal is our main event, of course. Initially, the main event was going to be Hamza Chemaev taking on Leon Edwards. Of course, we know why Leon Edwards is off this card due to COVID. That's the reason Bilal Muhammad is off this card. He was supposed to take on Diego Lima. Diego Lima did say that fight is going to be rebooked, so you're probably looking uh, sometime January, maybe February, that fight gets booked. Of course, UFC will be heading back over to Fight Island. Uh, I want to get this question that we got in from Jimmy from Twitter earlier today. And he said, uh, top-scoring GPP fighter on DraftKings regardless of salary. And you brought up a great point. Is when you have 28 fights, that, that become, or excuse me, 28 fighters, that becomes a difficult part of this. Yeah, good luck. Good luck trying to pinpoint exactly who's going to do it. And probably who you think is most likely to do it is probably nowhere close. Um, I do think that, you know, like you mentioned, stacking this week, for me, for thinking, like there's, there's just no reason to. And the main event is going to be a weird main event based on uh, Stephen Thompson's style. He really creates such an unorthodox uh, puzzle to solve for his opponents. And it leads to, you know, lower volume, uh, less success, um, you know, just underwhelming statistics. And we've seen it a lot. So, like, 
to stack the main event if you're going to stack anything because of the five rounds. I just don't think it's necessary. There's so many other spots. And I think this is going to be a week where if you have salary left over, you know, you're doing something right because there are so many underdogs that I actually think have legitimate chances. Like I can make an argument for almost every fighter on this card. And I I know it's an MMA fight. Anything can happen. Anything can change. But literally there are so many spots here that we need to take advantage of. Yeah. You know, I put this sheet together for, for myself as we're doing this show where uh, I've got, you know, all the fighters or salaries on DraftKings or salaries on FanDuel. When I was putting my FanDuel sheet together, some of the, the numbers kind of did surprise me uh, of yeah. where they were at, whether I, I just like, man, I didn't think they'd be that high or I, I didn't necessarily think they'd be that low. DraftKings, I think there's a lot of great opportunities over on DraftKings, especially when you look at the underdogs. We'll get into these underdogs as we get on, but let's get right into the main event because we've got a ton of fights to break down here. Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal. Stephen Thompson, 7,800. Jeff Neal, 8,400. Of course, that's on DraftKings. Over on FanDuel, $20 for Stephen Thompson, $19 for Jeff Neal. I think one of the reasons you're going to see a little bit of a difference in pricing is FanDuel. Actually, I remember I looked on Monday, and the salaries are already uh, available on Monday. And one of the things that jumped out to me, and of course, uh, you know, if you're you know looking to check out the odds, you can go over to Odd Shopper there at awesomeo.com. Stephen Thompson, he's plus 100 currently, uh, Pete. He opened up at minus one seventy. Yeah, I, I, a lot of money's coming on uh, on uh, on Jeff Neal, and it's a tricky fight. It's a tricky um, tricky puzzle to solve. I mentioned that already, and I do think that Jeff Neal is equipped with the skills to do it. And he's also part of something that I think is really important. That he's a part of a really good camp with stuff with such like strong training partners and a strategic mind, because you really need to develop a game plan to beat the karate style of Stephen Thompson. You have a, a, an amazing kickboxer from a karate background of Stephen Thompson who stands sideways, um, uses a lot of his lead leg, so a lot of lead leg sidekicks, um, a lot of darting in and out, keeping you at distance. And that is where a lot of Thompson's opponents struggle is they can't get in on him. If they do get in on him, he gets, you know, they get hit with sidekicks or he's not there to, to really uh, counter. Um, I do think that Jeff Neal, he does the basics really, really well. And based on where he's at in his career, it makes sense that the odds are starting to swing in his favor. Um, Great power, dynamite in his hands, um, you know, has good kicks as well. Strong camp, lots of, you know, good finishing ability, 77% finishing ability. I just feel like Thompson is so good at making good fighters look bad. Look what, like, in the Vicente Luque fight, like, he didn't make Vicente really look bad, but, like, he came back from suffering a knockout loss to Anthony Pettis when he was beating him pillar to post. And then, you know, everybody was worried about him getting knocked out by Vicente Luque. And goes to show you that, you know, Thompson's just so smart. And he's his IQ, his fight IQ, is what separates him from the pack. So, like, this fight, I've been going back and forth, Jason. I feel like overall, I'm I, I'm okay with getting away from it. I don't feel like it's going to be a part of an optimal, the majority of the time, um, just based on Thompson's style. What are your thoughts? Well, actually, I've been working the phone as you were talking. Oh. Not good news. Oh. Looks like we've lost another fight. Who? I'm waiting for confirmation, but it sounds like Rick Lynn's off uh, the card. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So like you say, I'm just working the phone here, but in terms oh, of the main man. event, okay, here, here's, here's on the Jeff Neal side of the thing. Cause I wanted to get your take on this. 
had the health issues not that long ago. Doesn't that concern you? Where he was in the hospital? Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. By the way, Rick Glenn's off the card. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is what happens when we have the best MMA reporter in the business, you know, getting inside information. And uh, okay. Well, let me tell you, now it makes things easier unless they do find a replacement for Rick Glenn. Yeah, all indications are there. You know, look, in in these Vegas scenarios, and this is why, like, I was talking to Travis Davis about uh, a week and a half ago, and he was talking about how, you know, he's he's applied to be on the ultimate fire, but he's like, you know what? I might just move out to Vegas for these short notice opportunities because you know they might come. So, I mean, look, it's, it, but, you know, and and so we'll see what happens there. Uh, You know, Jeff Neal, I mean, you know, you know, the, obviously he had major medical issues not that long ago. So, I mean, I think that's concerning, um, you know, and Steven Thompson, he can frustrate you. I, I mean, we, how many fighters we have seen have become frustrated with Steven Thompson. And, and that's what Steven Thompson can be a frustrating fighter to roster. You know, if he just goes to a straight counter strike and, you know, he's not, you know, potentially landing a hundred strikes in this fight. Yeah, that's why I like the Tyron Woodley-Stephen Thompson fights were sometimes just like a staring contest at moments because they're both counter-strikers and they're meeting. Um, I think that Stephen Thompson makes good fighters look bad, um, you know, outside of getting hit with a big shot, which anybody it can happen to anybody. Like, look what he did to Jorge Masvidal and really schooled Jorge Masvidal on the feet. I still want to side with with Thompson if I have to pick. Like for DFS, I'm okay with getting different. I think that Neil is the DFS play based on his style. Thompson for DFS is just completely underwhelming. 7,800 even in a five-round fight. Probably not going to land a ton of significant strikes to really make the 7,800 work when there are so many other options, right? Mm-hmm. But from a like a just winning the fight standpoint, I think Thompson probably does it. You know, one, one of the ways I also look at this fight is like, to me, this is old school UFC matchmaking where mm-hmm. the UFC does these type of fights to elevate the younger fighter. Yes, he's Wonder Boy. He ain't no boy anymore. He's 37 years old. So, I mean, I think that's a part of it. But, you know, Stephen Thompson understands that he's at a point in his career. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's a, you know, because we're talking about, you know, 14 fights here. You're going to have to sprinkle throughout this car. I don't know if I would sit there and say the main event is a must roster fight. Yeah. So what I used to do right before I started like 150 maxing is, it, you know, if I'm limited to say five lineups, I'm trying to really manage my bankroll correctly. I'm going to eliminate fighters I have zero interest in, and then my second option is going to be eliminating some matchups that I'm I'm okay with being underweight on, and. uh you know, not too often am I going to recommend not rostering a five round fight, but I do feel like Thompson's trickiness and his style overall just makes this a headache of a matchup. And, you know, people rostering Neil might be just surprised at how low volume, you know, it is. Yeah, no, that that's, that's to me, that's always a concern with Steven Thompson is potentially low volume. Of course, this is the MMA Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com. Of course, the NBA season is here. Preseason has already started. I've been watching games. I don't know about you people. We got a great deal going on over at awesomeo.com as we're offering $1 NBA access 
through December the 29th for new members only. We use the promo code CARUSO at C-A-R-U-S-O. This gives you access to NBA preseason DFS premium slack and everything we have to offer for the first week of regular season NBA action, including projections, ownership projections, our weekly slack channel, the lineup builder, which is a great tool to use throughout the season, and so much more. So please go there, sign up right now at awesomeo.com. I know, uh, you know, talking to the team today, they've got some great content, especially maybe if you're a newer NBA player out there to help you uh, develop your lineups here as uh, man, it's crazy. What's a 71 days from the end of the right, the end of the uh, NBA finals to the start of the season. Absolutely crazy. So you got to take advantage of that deal. $1 for NBA access where, I mean, look, you can get right there in a premium Slack show. You want to talk to guys like Josh and Alex and all the great staff we hear at awesome.com. You got to check out that. Also, of course, you always have free content over up at awesome.com this week's Free MMA content is a UFC pro plays where you'll see how we rank them. I actually, after the show's over, because I usually don't like to put in my pro plays. So I talked about man, Pete, Pete, sometimes he kind of sway me a little bit and maybe sometimes I can sway him. I don't think that happens very often. No, it does. It does. You know, I like bouncing ideas off your head and sometimes you make me second guess some things, your inside information. Sometimes I do have some good information that gives me a little heads up there. But let's move on to uh, the co-main event of the evening. It is Jose Aldo versus Marlon Chito Vera. Big opportunity here for Chito Vera. Seventy six hundred on DK for him. Eighty six hundred for Aldo. Then eighteen dollars for Aldo on Fanduel. Thirteen dollars for Chito Vera. Uh, you know, I feel like this is a great opportunity for Chito Vera. I kind of feel like he might be catching. Jose Aldo in the right way as you've been in the lab breaking this one down what sticks out to you about you know do you like Cheeto's chances here I don't think I would ever predict a day where I would be picking somebody against Jose Aldo um you know I was just such a big Jose Aldo guy you know coming from the WEC obviously that's where I started my passion for MMA and all this all this and that um you know it's just sad to see where Aldo's at in his career right now. Like he's lost a step, even though he's only 34 years old. And that age really blows my mind because we've seen Jose Aldo mature before our eyes. Like WEC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then, you know, the UFC title reign, and he's beaten everybody and has looked amazing. His highlight reel, if you haven't seen Jose Aldo highlight reel, please go watch it. It's amazing, especially when he used to throw low kicks, something that he doesn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, he's fi- uh, he's fighting uh, Marlon Vera here, where years ago, Marlon Vera couldn't, you know, even come close to beating Jose Aldo. And now we're really starting to, to see, like, Marlon Vera's rounded out his game. Like, he actually, you know, everybody's going to think that that last win 
over Sean O'Malley's a fluke mm-hmm. because it's a weird situation, right? Like you calf kick somebody, their calf and foot go numb. He falls to the mat. You follow him up with ground and pound. You stun him with the ground and pound. I don't know if people realize that he stunned him and nearly knocked him out with the ground and pound. So people think it's a cheap win. Okay. I guess. So maybe Chris Weidman's, you know, breaking Anderson Silva's leg is a cheap win too. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, well, Marlon Barrett in this matchup at 7,600 based on his killer instincts, finishing rate at 88% can match uh, Jose Aldo on the mat. God forbid if it ends there. I just think that the length of Marlon Vera, um, his boxing and his aggressiveness is going to really, you know, keep Aldo guessing and, uh, you know, being on the defensive and Aldo does enjoy counter-striking. And that's sometimes where he is, he's good at, like he, he's okay with slipping and ripping, but in this matchup, man, it's very hard for me not to side with Marlon Vera. I just think he has the youth on his age, the momentum on his age. And he didn't just take a ton of damage like Jose Aldo did against Peter Jan. Like, oh my goodness, that ref should have stopped the fight a very long time before that happened. And how many times can Jose Aldo keep rebounding from those bad, bad losses? So I hate to say it, but I'm okay with getting away from Jose Aldo 8,600. It's bold because Marlon Vera years ago shouldn't even come close, but I'm okay with going away from Aldo and taking Vera in my lineups. Let me throw something out there that I don't know if you think it's a concern or not, but you're the fighter here. That's why I like to to share this stuff with you. Cheeto has shown to sometimes be a slow starter. Yeah. How much does that concern you to where if he does get off to a slow start that all of a sudden he's down one Oh and Aldo can, you know, kind of in a way start to cruise a little bit and not have to take those chances. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great point. Um, I will say that, you know, you really don't, you don't have to worry about Vera getting finished. He's never been knocked out. He's never been submitted in his professional career, which I think is odd because like early on in the UFC, I didn't really think he was all that good. Uh, Jose Aldo to this point has been knocked out four times and submitted once in his career. So it's like, oof. Um, Obviously you don't want Marlon Vera to be mystified by the legend Jose Aldo and go out there and be tentative. But I'm telling you, this guy doesn't view it like that. He views it like he needs to feed his kids. I don't think that he's going to be bothered. I think he's going to seize the opportunity and he's going to go out there and really make a name off of Aldo, um, which is crazy. Like, it's crazy because I don't want it to happen, but I think it's going to. Now, as we uh, talk about, I mean, look, top to bottom of this card, I think there's great cards, great fights throughout this card. The fight that I just, I can't see it being boring. It's yeah. Chaos Williams and Michelle Pajaya. Uh Michelle Pajaya, uh minus 130, plus 110 for Chaos Williams over on DK. You've got 8,300 for Pajaya, 7,900 for Williams. And then over on FanDuel, it's $16 for Chaos, $15 for Pajaya. Um, man, these, these are, you know, obviously we, we've seen what Chaos Williams has done here. Uh, I, you know, I know I saw in our premium Slack channel, ba- people were basically saying, like, how do you avoid Chaos Williams at this price when – like, like to me, this is a GPP fight all the way. I don't look at this fight as a cash fight. This to me is totally GPP because yeah. the likely there's a good chance the winner is 95 to 110 ish, and the loser is like 10. Yeah, I think that somebody's going on somebody's highlight reel. I really do. Like, I mean, Michelle Pajaya could literally do a backflip and kick him in the head. 
And I'm not kidding. That's what he does in the cage. And next thing you know, you know, Chaos Williams is knocked out. But maybe Chaos Williams just overwhelms Michelle Pejea and, you know, catches him when he does something stupid like a backflip. Um, so I think that this fight is crazy, Jason. I think I'm going to target it. It's mid-priced. So I think you have to be somewhat foolish to avoid it. Um, Michelle Pejea will have the grappling advantage, I would imagine, because we just haven't seen enough of Chaos Williams, right? I mean, like in two UFC fights, his average time in the UFC octagon is 29 seconds. That's insane. That is, that is insane. Um, his hands look incredible. Outside of his hands, his regional tape is okay. I didn't expect that to happen against uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I did not expect that at all. Um, and he went in there and just completely starched him. So whenever somebody has power like that, Jason, we have to take notice, right? Like 7,900, just to pivot off of him and think that his power was just fluky, I think is foolish. I will be rostering this fight like crazy. I do feel like Williams has a gift with that power. Um, I feel like he has some decent training partners now. Um, training with Joaquin Buckley occasionally. Um, Michelle Pajaya needs to mix in takedowns, right? Needs to really just take Williams out of his element. And if he does that, he can win this fight. But the guy is reckless. So what is his IQ at when, when the fists start you know, throwing? I'm favoring Williams here at 7,900. There's no way I'm not rostering Pajaya, though. This is like a, this might be one of my most exposed fights that I need to get to in my lineups. This is one of those fights I just kind of wonder who's going to make the first mistake because whoever yeah. makes that first mistake, I Costly. expect the other one. And and because of that Capoeira style, I yep. do, there is part of me that wonders will we see less of that style than we typically see? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because like, you know, the, the Capoeira style can create problems similar mm -hmm. to like a karate style where things are coming from different angles. Um, Pahale will have the kicking advantage in this one. Uh, Chaos Williams, like I said, his regional tape wasn't that crazy. He only has a 64% finish rate. But like when you knock somebody out flat like that, that you, you need to pay attention to that because that doesn't happen unless you have serious power. Um, and now it's twice. Alex Morono um, and then uh, Al Hassan. So sometimes fighters find their power late. It, it really is true, whether they find a good coach, um, a workout routine. Um, I don't know. Maybe they, he was tentative in, in the past. But, like, overall game, Pajaya is the better overall fighter, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. It's just 7,900 for a guy that looks like he's evolved. I'm cool with it. You know what they might uh, call this fight? What's that? About to throw them bungalows. I was gonna, yeah, I agree. I think I, I feel pretty safe to say takedowns not happen unless someone gets rocked. I think takedowns are gonna happen because they're gonna get rocked. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. If a you're not just gonna magically see some double A takedown in the middle of the cage when they're just trying to take the fight to the ground. I, I just I don't think that's in the DNA either one of these fighters. Yeah, well, you know what's good, right? Is when you knock somebody out, you know, twice so quickly people start to really feel like you're one dimensional and he may be because you know, only he really knows, but if he goes out there and has some skills in his back pocket that we're just not aware of right now, he could literally throw off Michelle Pahea completely. I thought he was just going to stand there in front of me and throw, throw hard punches. Next thing you know, he started mixing in takedowns. You don't know. Um, but roster this fight guys split your exposure. 
Yeah, that, that's definitely going to be key here. Of course, uh, if you ever miss this show live, you can watch it a part of the Awesome O Podcast Network. We have the own fee here for the MMA show. And while you're there, leave a five-star review. That really does help out Pete and I as well. I know not everyone can watch this show live. Also, let you know, got an awesome giveaway going on right now. If you check out the pin tweet over on our Twitter handle, which is at awesomeo underscore com to enter our Awesome O NBA podcast review giveaway. Just submit a five-star review to the Awesome O NBA DFS podcast channel. Follow the instructions on the graphic. You're entered to win a year of Osmo Plus NBA. That's a $400 value. Make sure you tag your favorite Osmo host and replies as well. You know, you know, you know, throw, throw your man, throw your boy Jason here a little love here. Throw me, throw my Twitter handle in there at Jason underscore Floyd. One random winner will be selected among the five star review submissions. Good luck over there. Of course, we got we got giveaways going on all the time. That's why you got to be right here over at awesome.com for the free stuff we are giving you away. Of course, we're breaking down these fights. Uh, and then let's lead on to a next fight, a fighter that we're both familiar with, uh, a guy that is a part of the New England cartel, but originally a Tampa guy. That's Rob Font returning from ACL surgery. He's taking on Marlon Moraes, 7,200 on DraftKings for Rob, 9,000 9, for Moraes. And then over on FanDuel, you got $18 for Marlon, $11 to Rob Font. This is, uh, you know, it, it's we talked about this last week with Cub Swanson. You didn't know what to expect from Cub coming back from that that knee injury. And, I mean, he found himself in a very bad position on the ground, a yep. very similar position with how he actually injured it. Now you got Rob coming back here. He had surgery back in January, did a majority of his uh, rehab at the UFC PI, but it's just one of those fights that I feel like if you're Rob, it's it's about weathering that early storm. Yeah, I love this fight, Jason. Like, this is probably one of my favorite fights on the card, definitely. Like, I'm really interested for this fight. Um, Marlon Moraes coming over to the UFC has kind of been up and down. Like, I mean, he's 5-3 and three in the UFC. He's had great moments, and he's, uh, you know, been finished as well. So, um I think that people might be underestimating Rob Font in this position. And clearly DraftKings is based on the pricing. 9000 for Marlon Moraes, a uh, guy who was just knocked out against uh, Corey Sanhagen just a couple months ago. And you know, guys, that I don't like rostering fighters that are returning two months from getting knocked out, right? So that's always a concern for me, Jason. Now, Rob Font obviously is returning from injury, like you said, surgery. How is his confidence in there? How is his confidence on his leg? How will he deal with getting leg kicked by Marlon Moraes, who is going to throw great leg kicks? Well, let me tell you, he trains with Calvin Cater all the time. Cater does throw good leg kicks as well. Good boxing. Um, that that whole team up here in New England, they're very strong. They, it's a good team. Uh, Tyson Chartier really has, has built a great team around him. Uh, props to Tyson. I think this fight's interesting. And despite the return from injury, Rob Font in his previous fight against Ricky Simon looked great. He got taken down several times, a lot of times actually, but worked back to his feet and, um, you know, put on a great fight against Ricky Simon, who I think is one of the notable names in the division going forward. I think that the fact Font hasn't been knocked out, but he's been rocked mm -hmm. is something that you can side with Maurice, right? Like Maurice has that crazy power. So if Font has been rocked in the UFC several times but never been finished, maybe Moraes is the guy that can uh, can really find that chin and put him away. Um, you know, but I see Marlon Moraes here. 
been knocked out four times, been submitted twice. Font has been submitted, but it is against Pedro Munoz, which, I mean, come on, Pedro Munoz's guillotine is incredible. Let's not really critique that too much. So I'm. this is another fight where I'm torn, Jason. Obviously, 9000 you're paying a premium for Marlon Moraes, who, A, just got knocked out, and B, has cardio issues. Okay? Red flags for me, though. Red flags for me. Because I don't like backing guys that are, like, you know, a liability in the cardio department. Rob Font's motor is crazy. And 7200 I'm going to have plenty of Rob Font. I'll have some Marlon Moraes, of course, because he's so, so skilled. But uh, I think you need to smash exposure to this to this fight as well. Yeah, I mean, I look at Rob and I sit there and say, especially on, on DraftKings at 7200 to me, like, his last three fights gone decision. But if you tell me he wins a decision here, I'm like, you know what? Probably still scores you a really good point without a stoppage. Um, you know, the, the one concern I would say I have on Rob's aspect is when he's gotten that step up in competition, he hasn't mm-hmm. been able to get the win. You, you look at yeah. the loss of John Lineker, the loss of Pedro Munoz, and, and the loss of Rafael Sunsau. So, like, if, if I was going to put any concern on the Rob Font side of it, that would be the side of, of, of A, every time when he's had a chance for that signature win, it hasn't happened, and B, coming off knee surgery. Yeah, I think it's fair. And, uh, you know, it's fair criticism. Uh, but, you know, since that, he, I mean, if you look, he does have three notable names now on his record of victories. Thomas Almeida at one time, you know, Thomas Almeida, if people don't realize when he was coming into the UFC and when he made his debut, mm-hmm. he looked like an absolute future world champion. And he was finishing everybody. Rob Font went out there and put, put him out. Um, you know, got a nice win over Sergio Pettis, who is having tons of success outside the UFC as well. And Ricky Simone, I mean, it's a he's a name, but I know what you're saying, not a big name. Now, this is a big name. Marlon Moraes could boost you to the top of the division. Um, I, I'm interested to, for the fight. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight. Uh, Hills uh, 3 TDs Wilson has this question for you, Pete. He goes, Pete, you see Swanson limping a ton after that fight. Any worry with Font after round two or so? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, definitely. I feel like when um, – what was his name? Who who did he fight? Who would Swanson fight? Daniel Pineda. Pineda, thank you. I don't know. Sometimes I just go brain dead. Uh, Pineda was really burying that leg kick, and I was like, ooh, this is good. This is good if the fight continues because, like, those are going to catch up to him, especially if you sit down on your stool. That's sometimes the worst thing you can do. You know, you sit there and now you really feel it and you're like, oh, goodness, I shouldn't have stopped moving. Um, I can't tell you if that's going to happen. Um, I would imagine, I will say Rob Font's pretty good at checking kicks, though. So unlike Cub Swanson, Rob Font's pretty good at checking kicks. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and this is a, a matchup where Marlon knows if he is going to make a run at that title again, he's got to get a win here. If he gets a loss here, I just, I don't know what that row looks like at 135 pounds. So it's a big matchup. When I talk about my top five fights of this card, I, I spoke about this earlier today on my podcast of this is one of those fights that to me really interested. Look, you know, the, 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 the heart in me, I'm rooting for Rob Font. You know, Same. you know, he's a Tampa guy, you know, obviously, you, you know, you're going to support your New England guys. But I mean, this is a tough fight. It's a really good fight. Looking forward to it. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup. We got Jillian Robertson taking on Thalia Santos. This is a straight up pick em fight right now on the betting odds. You could have got some plus money at one point 
on uh, Jillian Robertson. Uh, it's the 8,200, 8,000 fight on DK. 8,200 fighter is Santos. And then over on FanDuel, we got the vice versa. $16 for Jillian Robertson, $14 for Santos. Uh, you know, obviously, when, we, when I think of Jillian Robertson, I think of submission game. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, right, there are some fighters that I roster a lot, and I don't mean to. And I feel like Jillian Robertson is somebody that you roster a lot. And, yeah. you know, you've actually had a lot of success. And I'm kind of always the guy picking against her, picking against her. And it's just slapping me in the face. I'm tired of getting slapped. But maybe, um, maybe I'm right this time. 8,200, 8,000 fight right here, right? Now, very evenly matched fight. Obviously, I liked uh, Tyler Santos's previous opponent, Montana, Montana De La Rosa. I thought that was a cupcake matchup. I thought she was going to go in there and put some work on her. Here, now you're talking about a huge step up in competition because Jillian Robertson has a ton of UFC experience, 6-2 and two in the UFC, um, You know, some tough experience as well. And it seems like Robertson is kind of just like, I don't know, developing before our eyes, right? Like she has a relentless takedown pressure. Like she tries to get you to the mat ASAP, wastes no time at all. It's like a female Chamaya of like, wastes no time at all, goes across the cage, tries to implement a game plan right from the get-go. I think she could struggle here. Granted, I've said this a lot, so beware. But I think she could struggle here um, against Tyler Santos because Santos is physicality. Santos is very, very strong. Um, you know, you saw that against uh, Molly McCann, obviously not the same grappler that Robertson is, but when I'm looking at takedown defense, right, Jason, I have like a, I have a whole checklist. I, it's very extensive, but I can break it down pretty simple, right? One, do they know what a wizard is? Two, do they have wrist control at any time? Three, do they know what underhooks are? And then four, how are their hips? If she checks all those boxes, I feel like they can nullify you know, their opponent's strengths. And I do think that Santos checks all those boxes for me and she might be the stronger of the two. So for me, I'm leaning Santos. It's a lean, it's a lean. I'm leaning Santos. I feel like this is a very close fight. Um, Obviously, you know, losing to Mara Romero Barella, not good, not good. But I think that Santos kind of rebounded, seemed a little irritated, came out, put on a statement in her previous performance. So I'm backing her at 8,200. Is it more of a cash game? Fight yeah, it might be, Jason. It might be because their skills are so high, they might, you know, cap their upside. You know, it, it kind of is just like, a, you know, it's a mid-range play, kind of fills out your lineup. <sighs> Santos looked like an animal, and Robertson gets quick finishes. So... I don't want to kind of label it as a cash game. Um, I'm putting in GPPs. I definitely yeah. am, but it's buyer beware for sure. Next up, uh, we got a heavyweight matchup. Greg Hardy taking on Marcin Tiber. This was one of those betting odds that kind of did stick out to me when I yeah. saw it initially this week, uh, right before the show. Uh, the odds on this one, as I find my sheet here, uh, Marcin Tiber plus 100, minus 120 for Greg Hardy. On DK, you got eighty five hundred for Hardy. He's fit, both these fires fifteen dollars on Fanduel. Tybura seventy seven hundred on DraftKings. I guess my my concern with Greg Hardy is we know look we know what Greg Hardy wants to do. You know he he wants to throw that right hand. I mean he and he's going for the knockout. I, I my ultimate question really is and it's a big unknown at this point. And, and I think this maybe could be the fight we see it happen. What happens if he gets put on his butt in a takedown? 
Yeah, agree. And what happens if he gets just completely out grappled? Um, obviously, his opponents have to get him there first. So I can't really knock anybody or knock Hardy. But man, Jason, am I a hater because I'm not backing Hardy in this situation? Or am I just kind of looking at this from an educated standpoint where it's like, okay, Marching Tabura is going to be a massive guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's a big guy. You have Greg Hardy who struggles with cardio, okay? This type of fight and this style of fight because he does have asthma, okay? I'm not knocking him. It's just true. He's not going to be able to keep up with the, the Tybura pace, especially if it's grappling heavy. What happens if he gets you know, put on his back and now you have a legitimate Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt on top of you? Uh, former champion um, outside the UFC, obviously. I think it's a nice spot for Tybora. I think it's a learning experience for Hardy. The problem with Tybora is how he's been knocked out several times. So standing up, he is good. He just kind of, he performs well, and then he kind of just like completely screws it up. He's been knocked out four times. I don't want him standing up with Greg Hardy because one shot can can end it all. Um, Another fight. I'm targeting. I'm not ignoring Greg Hardy because of his potential of quick, early Francis Ngannou type of finishes. But for me, value play, I think Marching Tabora is a difficult um, equation for uh, Hardy to solve, especially if he implements grappling from the get-go. I mean, look, you're, you're looking at it from a fight aspect, and I, and I agree with everything you had to say there. I mean, look, if you tell me this fight plays on the feet, now Marcin Tabora is not much of a kicker. I do wonder if we do see some kicks because we've seen Greg Hardy yeah. struggle with leg kickers. I mean, like to me, it's I, I think you have to have if, if you're a multiple lineup player, I think you have to have exposure on both sides of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, Tybura, you, you got to hope that he's going for a takedown, gets this fight to the ground. But, you know, what happens if Greg Hardy can keep this fight on the feet? We, we see what he can do with his hands, but cardio is a concern there. I, I think it's all great points there, but to me, I think you got to have uh, ownership on both sides of this one. Let's move yeah. on to the next side because we still got a ton more fights to get to here. We got uh, Anthony Pettis taking on Alex Morono, ninety two hundred for yeah. Showtime, seven thousand for Moreno, twenty dollars on Fanduel for Pettis, ten dollars for Morono on the betting odds. You got to minus two thirty for Pettis to come back on Alex Morono plus one ninety. I sent you this clip that I saw on Twitter earlier today, and it was Anthony talking to Ara Hawani. Of ESP and he's and he talked about how you know he went down to Columbia, got some stem cell work done, and part of that was he had to go sober. He had to stop drinking, he had to mm-hmm. stop stop partaking in marijuana. And and I just found it really interesting because you do hear a lot of this. And and like when he stopped we talked about how he stopped drinking, it actually made me think of Louis Smoka, who literally yeah. would he in and Lewis has told the story. Countless times I've had the conversation with Lewis. Basically, you know, he, you know, he. I remember him telling me a story about how he was so hungover. He basically the USADA guy got there at six a.m. and he was just pounding liquids in his, uh, you know, water in his system just to try to be able to to, to uh, do do his drug test. But I wanted to get your side of it because I sent that clip over to you. What was kind of your take from a fighter's aspect? Well, I mean, it really wasn't a surprise to me because, like, I know a billion fighters, right? And vast majority of them are partiers, right? Like, you know, you know, you have people that, you know, that smoke marijuana, no problem at all, because it's just recreational. They do it. They, they like how they feel. It helps with their recovery from a recovery standpoint. It definitely helps. It really does. So does CBD. Um, 
you know, but like if you're talking about, and he did talk about that in the interview clip of how it was, it seemed like it was like party. It was kind of like, a, mm, you know, yeah. an outlet, like to vent frustrations and kind of like a John Jones, I guess. Right. And he was just doing it secretly. And John Jones was kind of in the public eye. A lot of fighters struggle with that. And, uh, you know, you got a lot of money or you're, you know, popular, you got friends around you. Um, you live an exciting lifestyle. So like, it's a fast life, right? So a lot of people get into that stuff. Um, I will tell you, like, as far as like performance wise, there are plenty of fighters. Like my dad says it all the time. He's like, you know, the boxers in the past, they used to get drunk the night before and then go 12 rounds. So it didn't matter. So like, you know, like, you know, my pops, he, he's like, you know, as long as you're, you're okay mentally, like, I guess you can literally do anything. Right. But it does hinder your, uh, your endurance for sure. I, I used to have a guy who trained with me in rest in peace crush. Um, he would literally spar with what we do 10 rounds, then go have a, a, a pack of cigarettes. And he had the best cardio in the room. It made no sense at all. So every fighter is different, Jason, but like, I think that Pettis kind of, he was on a Wheaties box. Who's on a Wheaties box and is not, you know, kind of just like living the fast life. I think that he's starting to mature. He was immature at one point, definitely. And uh, known as the Showtime kick guy. Um, he's fought the who's who in the division. But at this point, where is he at in his career? He is 33 and has taken so much damage. I wish he would have matured like a lot, a lot earlier. Um, it's not an easy fight against Alex Morono and a fight camp that kind of has him beaten so far. You know, Diego Fajaya you know, had a nice performance against Anthony Pettis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is the ultimate thing in 2020. How much yeah. do you trust Anthony Pettis at 9,200 on DraftKings? 9,200. I think DraftKings literally thought they saw him on a Wheaties box because that's how he's priced, right? Like yeah. there's no way. And if you looked at his previous fight against Cowboy Cerrone, you know, that was not a 9,200 uh, performance at all. And then, you know, when he met Cowboy Cerrone in the first time, he demolished them with a, with a liver kick. And that Anthony Pettis at that point, that was his prime. That was, he was untouchable. His kicks, his Taekwondo, the way he sets up his knockout shots, you know, guys that don't depend on volume, but depend on, um, you know, KO power or finding that perfect shot are sometimes going to be volatile, especially in DFS. So Alex Morono, like from a volume standpoint, from a momentum standpoint, from, you know, just aggressive, like Anthony Pettis gets taken down at some of the largest clip in the entire UFC, Jason. Like I could pull it up for you and I have the numbers on it. He gets taken down so much that if, you know, Cowboy Cerrone was taking him down, you know what I mean? So Cowboy has good wrestling, but you get, you get what I'm saying. So I'm interested for this fight. 9,200 is an insane price tag. Yeah, I know that that was one of those price tags. I was like, man, I, you know, I mean, from a, a skill wise, I think Pettis should win. He should Agreed. win, Agreed. but man, it's, it's such a huge price tag. And that, you know, we were talking about 9,200 in a three round fight. You got to get a finish. I mean, plain and simple. And then it can't be a chase Hooper third round finish where pretty much you did not score anything. In, in the first two rounds. But, of course, uh, this is the MMA Strategy Show right here on AwesomeO.com. Of course, when you are an AwesomeO Plus subscriber, it gives you access to our premium Slack channel. It means 
when me and Pete aren't here on the air, you can talk to me and Pete there. You can send us a message in our premium Slack channel. We'll get to you right there. So be sure to check out that premium Slack channel. As I usually, I try to get in there, especially like on Saturday afternoons before the show, and, and get some questions in there. And sometimes I'll pop in there throughout the weekend. But uh, look, everyone, uh, you know, hit me up with a question there or Pete a question. And that is uh, one of the benefits you have here when you are an Awesome O Plus member. You get access to our premium Slack account. Let's move on. We got a female matchup. Sajara Eubanks taking on uh, Panny Kianza. Eighty eight hundred for Eubanks. For the Fanduel salaries on this one, really? Like I looked at, it, I said, did Fanduel mess up here? Yeah, I, I, let me tell you, like Fanduel sometimes is is sharp on some stuff, and then like with so many fights, they're like, ah, there's too many fights. Just throw so, throw something at them. Fourteen, eleven sounds good to me. Um, you know, I think that this fight is interesting. I think it could go overlooked. Um, I think that Eubanks will be a popular pivot. A lot of people will be reaching to Penny Kianzad based on Eubanks dropping her previous fight. Um, you know, uh, against Caitlin Vieira, like, you know, Eubanks is usually the stronger, more physical fighter and can take her opponents down. And that's kind of like her X factor, right? Compete on the feet, get takedowns in close rounds to really solidify a victory. Does not have good finishing ability. 33% out of her six professional fights. Obviously she has some experience on tough as well. You know, at one point she was going to be fighting for a title. That is absolutely insane. So, um, Sajara Eubank has really developed her boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has great Brazilian jiu-jitsu to rely on. Pina Kianzad is a good volume boxer. So I, I think that this is going to be an interesting matchup. I do favor Eubanks. I do understand that Eubanks has uh, poor cardio, and as the fight gets on, you can see her, you know, her meter start to decrease, and it's like, oh goodness, now her opponent's starting to come on, and she's going to lose this fight or make it closer than it needs to be. But if Eubanks gets her hand on hands on Kianzad, I think that she can, you know, get some takedowns and potentially get a submission victory. We saw Tisha Torres last weekend uh, finally get a finish. You know, mm-hmm. we're human beings. Every fighter that's fighting on Saturday, it's a human being. He takes one error, one mistake in an MMA. Somebody capitalizes on it. And, uh, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And Tisha Torres gets a finish. Um, I will say Sajara Eubanks, 8800 is insane for DraftKings. $14 on FanDuel. I'm okay with it. I think she gets the W. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that FanDuel price really stuck out to me. By the way, Hunter, uh, he says, wait, Jason, this fight's at 170 Yes. Anthony Pettis, Alex Morello is at 170 pounds. Uh, You know, it's just, I I think that Pettis to me is a more natural 155er than he is 170. But at this point in his career, I I think you're just going to see him there at 170 pounds. Uh, Let's move on next. We got uh, a matchup that was supposed to take place a couple weeks ago. Carl Roberson, uh, another, uh, a big favorite spot here, but he is one of those guys, Pete, that I just don't know if I can trust him. Even Ooh. though I know he should win here, this should be a win here. I think it's GPP written, written all over it, but do you, do you trust him? I mean, when I look at this card, Jason, right, there are a ton of fights, ton of fighters, ton of options. I really like Roberson, and I don't really see myself being a Roberson guy, but like of 9,000 options, like, I'm okay with getting to him. And the reason is, is because of what his training partners have raged about him and raved about him in the past. Corey Anderson has talked about how unbelievable Carl Roberson is as a training partner in, in the training room. And we've seen glimpses of that. 
yeah, he just got submitted by Marvin Vittori, but look what Marvin Vittori just did to Jack Hermanson. Like Vittori's the real deal. And uh, there's a reason why he went, you know, in a, a close decision loss to uh, Israel Adesanya. Um, I think that Roberson, right, can get out-wrestled. And uh, that's definitely a worry here against uh, Dolce Lumbiambula. Okay, I think I got that. Uh, uh, sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, Lumbiambula is a great judo practitioner, right? Good judoka, um, good throws, and good power. But it's going to be um, the shorter guy, 5'8", for 185 pounds. He, he's, he looks like a tank, right? Um, but with all that muscle, mm-hmm. definitely zapped your energy. You are a round one and a half, round one or two fighter um, because, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain a high pace. Carl Roberson, you know, a great kickboxer. Um, mm-hmm. I think he can actually find the chin of Blue Giambula. Uh, we've seen him get knocked out in the past. Obviously, Roberson needs to not get taken down, and he does get taken down quite a bit. But as far as jujitsu, I might edge with Roberson here. I think he's got some sneaky jets and uh, can really hurt Lugia Bula. 9,300. I don't blame you for being worried. And if you are worried on this card, you have so many options. Just pivot to somebody else. But I like him quite a bit. I think that this fight screams fireworks. And I think he's going to need to get rid of Dolce early, um, you know, or, or late. I think it's just going to be it's going to be a finish for uh, Roberson here. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, Carl's had kind of a little bit of an up and down UFC run and Obviously, how, how does he bounce back after a Vittori fight? That's something to pay attention to here, of course. Uh, be sure to give this video a thumbs up. If you like what you're seeing here from myself and Pete, be sure to give us that thumbs up. And uh, hit that subscribe button. If you're not subscribed also, you got to subscribe when you're looking for DFF coverage. No matter what the sport is, you want to get ready for this weekend's NFL. ton of NFL action for you this weekend. Of course, we got games on Saturday of this week, along with Thursday Night Football, the Showdown Contest, all the great shows we have over here at awesomeo.com. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, make sure you hit that notification bell. Myself and Pete, by the way, uh, we will be back here on Saturday for the Live Before Lock. I believe we're going to start about 2.30 p.m. Eastern time-ish. So uh, the uh, as of right now, as of right now, <laughs> Lock is 4 p.m. Eastern time. I feel like I have to say as of right now as yeah, we do because- this show. Yeah, because we lose a fight here, we lose a fight there. They push it back. Next thing you know, the fights are going on forever. And this card needs to start early because this is going to literally be a long card. And, I mean, the finishes, I wonder how many finishes we're going to have on this card. Uh, I think it's going to be quite the long card. Hmm. Let's see here. I think if you set it at six and a half, I'm taking the under. Really? I think so. I think it's going to be a long damn night. All right. If you just, if you cursed it, oh man. Oh God. I'm gonna oh, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I'm just seeing like, it's going to be long. Yeah. It, it, yeah. When you're putting on 14 fights. Yeah. It, it could potentially be a long night of fights. Uh, next up, we got Deron Wynn taking on Antonio Arroyo. Arroyo minus 155 plus 135. For Duran Wynn, uh, Royo 8900 on DK, 7300 for Wynn, and over on FanDuel, $16 for Antonio and $12 for Duran Wynn. I hate this fight. I hate this fight. You know why I hate this fight? Because the way you feel about Carl Roberson, you can't trust him. I can't trust either one of these guys yeah. because I know what Antonio Arroyo's kryptonite is. It's a dominant wrestler. 
Okay. And Deron Wynn is possibly one of the most disappointing prospects to come into the UFC. It, I, I feel like he just doesn't put enough effort in. Um, you got a Royal who struggles to make 185 pounds. You, you got Deron Wynn who's known for not really putting full effort into training camps. DC has talked extensively about it. So like, of course they have to meet, right? Um, Antonio Royal, phenomenal kickboxer is brought into uh, training camps to emulate uh, Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos, you can see it. It kind of like if you close your eyes and squint, it, I mean, he does exactly the same things that, that Tiago does. Strong kicks, really strong kicks, mm-hmm. good punches as well, but relies on kicks first. Um, against a wrestler, I don't really like that recipe, right? You kick, they grab. So uh, body kicks especially. Okay. You either want to go really low where wrestlers can't grab your leg, or you want to go really high. That mid range needs to be forgotten against a grappler or a wrestler because they just catching it. They get hit by it and they just put their arm over it and grab it. Next thing you know, they work towards a takedown. And Deron Wynn is a takedown specialist. Um, outside of his fight against Eric Spicely, where he had insane significant strike numbers. I mean, the guy goes for great takedowns. You saw it in the Darren Stewart fight. The way he changed takedowns together is amazing. His cardio is a liability. Uh, I think that Arroyo is going to be a massive human being compared to Deron Wynn. 6'3 for Arroyo, 5'6 for Wynn. And 195 pounds, 5'6. That is ridiculous. You are completely undersized for that weight class. It's only a matter of time before somebody really puts you in your place at that weight class. You saw what happened against Mearshart. You know, Mearshart's really not that physical. So, I wonder if Arroyo gets taken down, works back to his feet, takes advantage of Deron Wynn's gas mm-hmm. tank, starts to land some heavy, heavy strikes despite Wynn's wrestling acumen. It's a fight that I'll target and just kind of not care which side I get. Um, I do think that Deron Wynn has the potential to take Arroyo to take down City. It's just a very volatile fight that we probably have to roster, so be very careful. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of fights on this card that I think that maybe you would not in normal situations have a lot of, of shares up, but this one you you might have that. Uh, another one, you know, you look at Draco Rodriguez and, and Amon Zahabi. Amon Zahabi has lost back to back fights after winning his UFC debut. Of course, uh, Draco Rodriguez had a a very public uh, battle with the King of the Cage to eventually get into the UFC. Here, uh, you know, what, what's your thoughts here on Rodriguez and Zahabi? Did they block him from getting fights? Is that what happened? Yeah, he was going to go on, I, want, I believe it was a contender series, and they blocked it because of a contract. Doesn't surprise me in the fight game, man. Fight game, people, is the nastiest, grimiest thing in the world, and you just have no idea. Keep listening to our shows. We'll keep you know informing you of how grimy this sport is. But uh, Rodriguez is a hobby. This is an interesting fight. I think that Rodriguez is priced up ridiculously. Um, you know, he has, he's extremely aggressive, right? And you know, you're getting 86% finish rate for Rodriguez, 86% finish rate for Sahabi. Both killers go out there. Rodriguez is definitely the, the, the meaner of the two. And uh, I, I do say that, and that does hold some value. If somebody's really mean, not every fighter's mean. Rodriguez is mean when he fights and he likes to throw heavy, heavy strikes. Um, gets put on his back quite often, even in his regional fights and has to scramble out of positions, can be out-wrestled, and has some sneaky jiu-jitsu. But, I mean, he, he just gets away with stuff. Now, Eamon Zahabi, 
that last name by itself is going to always have value. Just like Pettis at 9,200. People see Pettis, plug him in. Zahabi, you know, the brother of Faraz Zahabi, possibly one of the best coaches of all time. I think Zahabi here is sneaky. Now, I will say sneaky because I'm going to sprinkle him in a little bit. I think that Rodriguez at 24, where he's at, how he fights, is a bad matchup for Zahabi. And I think that 9,100, he could get an early finish. So I definitely see it. But if Zahabi implements takedowns, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and can definitely put um, Rodriguez in some bad spots and possibly work towards a submission. Now, you're talking about molding a fighter and changing their identity. Well, guess what? You got to do something. You're one and two in the UFC, and you're coming from possibly one of the best mastermind training camps of all time. I would hope you guys have a good game plan because if it's to sit there and strike where Rodriguez, you're going to be on a losing battle. So another buyer beware, but um, I'm going to sprinkle in Zahabi, but lean Rodriguez. Now, when you look at uh, one of the biggest underdogs on the card, that's Jamie Pickett. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that pretty much was uh, on the verge of retirement, um, yep. you know, and then gets a call, you know, a, a third opportunity on the contender series takes advantage of it now in the UFC and he's a plus 245 underdog here. Uh, you know, do you give Jamie Pickett a shot here? Yeah, I give him a shot uh, because in Chukwe in um, his contender series bout was hit and kind of, you know, not rattled, but definitely was hit clean. So, uh, you know, Pickett just needs to land one shot, but in Chukwe is uh, a guy that has some excellent tight defense. And defensive skills can bring you so far, right? Like in football, a lot of teams and a lot of people rave about a team's defense before they start talking about their offense. Defense wins a lot of games. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that defense, as you get into the UFC, can definitely lead to more victories because you make less mistakes, right? It's pretty obvious. Pickett makes a lot of mistakes. And Chukwe stays super tight. And you see him block everything. And I like that. He's kind of answering everything or making sure that his hands are there. He's answering the telephone every single time. So I like it. 9,400 priced up like crazy, but, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's warranted for the weight class, the way he fights former lion fight, uh, you know, he lion fight fighter, uh, a kickboxing world champion, um, trains at Lloyd Irvin as well. So maybe, he has jujitsu in his back pocket if things get squirrely. But the one thing that's interesting regionally is um, he holds a win over what is his name? Oh my goodness, I just dropped it from New England. Um, oh, oh, um, William Knight. Thank you. Goodness, yes, he has a win over William Knight, who people are raving about. And uh, William Knight took that fight when he was on his developmental deal with the UFC trying to just stay active and yeah, yeah, I'll fight this guy, this guy. And then Chukwe went in there and just completely upset him. Good takedown defense in that fight. Excellent clinch game. Um, Kicks a lot for a guy in 185 pound division. Obviously with Pickett, you're just hoping he lands a big shot, which it can happen, but it's unlikely. Again, I'm targeting this fight. Yeah. Uh, and uh, our final fight uh, to mention here, we'll talk about, cause obviously uh, you talk about Rick Lynn, you know, uh, you know, my, my source are telling me that uh, the fight that he was not fighting on, on Saturday uh, is going to be Jimmy Flick, Cody Dern. It's a fight we broke down a couple weeks ago. I don't think really anything's really changed here. 
Uh, Cody Durham was actually going to be someone that I was looking at as, as a, a salary saver. But there's so many fights here. I don't know if I look at this as a salary saver. Yeah, you might not have to get to it. You like, you might not have to reach, right? Like, this is a reach when there's so many options. It's kind of like, well, I feel better about some other spots. But, you know, matchup-wise, if you didn't hear our show, Jimmy Flick is an incredible jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, you know, throws up submissions similar to Brandon Royble. Excellent. 8,700. Definitely warranted for a guy that has an insane amount of submission victories. But in his losses, he has been TKO'd or knocked out in the past. Now, if Cody Durden dropping down to 125 pounds can sprawl and brawl, stay on top of his opponents, and uh, you know put in some great ground and pound and just be the bigger guy, I think he could give Jimmy Flick some problems here. So Durden, I guess, despite like it being a reach, I'll put him in some lineups because I did like him a lot. 91% finish rate for Durden. I'm excited for the fight. They're finally doing it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it happens. Yeah, it was uh, Pink Eye was the original reason why this fight came yep. down. Before we uh, wrap out here and get some listener questions, let's go down our straight-up picks. Uh, main event, Stephen Thompson, Jeff Neal. I'm, go- I'm going to go Thompson. Uh, don't feel great about that. Uh, I'm going to go with the upset of Marlon Vera against Jose Aldo. Yeah, Marlon Vera for me. Uh, Mel Shepahea, Chaos Williams. Give me Chaos Williams. Chaos Williams. Uh, Marlon Race, Rob Font. I'm going with my heart. <laughs> Rob Font. Rob Font as well for me. Uh, Julian Robertson, Thalia Santos. I will go Julian Robertson. Okay, different. Santos for me. I think we might go a little different here. Marcin Tybura, Greg Hardy. Give me Greg Hardy. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm going Tybura. I, I just hope that he's not a, a bonehead and goes the takedown route. Uh, next couple of fights, I, I, I you know, um, I, the favorites. Pettis, Eubanks, Carl Roberson, Arroyo, Rodriguez, uh, and Juqui. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go Morono, Eubanks, Roberson, Wynn, uh, Rodriguez, and Chukwe, and um, give me Durden, I guess. Yeah, These I'm are gonna... just picks. Yeah, yeah. These are just straight-up picks. These are not DFS related. Straight-up picks. Yeah, Cody Durden. Um, kind of like him in, in that spot. Trains uh, with uh, Douglas Lima and Diego Lima there at the ATT just outside of Atlanta. Uh, Sam, we'll get some of your questions here. He says, uh, let's see here. First off, he says, Jason, how was your exposure to Tisha overall? FanDuel, I think I was 100% Tisha. Um, it was just I couldn't, nice. I couldn't avoid it. Uh, DraftKings, I would say I was probably about 60% Tisha. Nice. It was just, yeah, I mean, I- with Tisha, it was just, it was, it was just so hard to ignore and, uh, you know, and then, you know, obviously the situation with Sam Hughes's eye and, uh, you know, and, and I think that if you, I remember, I think it was our Slack channel to go, so do you get the first round finish? Yep. You get the first round finish with the fights call at the end of the first round. Yep. That is the, uh, Max Roshkoff right there. Yeah. Uh, who are live dogs for us in terms of live dogs? Uh, I will look at Marlon Vera. Yep. Plus plus one twenty five. Uh, Cody Durden plus one thirty. Um, I mean, I, Stephen Thompson plus 100 is interesting. Tyburn, even though I'm picking Greg Hardy plus 100, I think maybe that's a line you monitor. If if, Tyber, if you get a little more money on Tyburn, I think that's a way to go. I would maybe look at the prop bet Tyburn by submission. Yeah, I think that's the way he, I mean, submission or, you know, decision. He's not knocking him out. I think Morono's an interesting uh, underdog. I think Font's an interesting underdog. Outside of that, starts to get in Vera. Those are kind of my three favorite underdogs. 
uh, fight to, to pivot from the main event from? Um, any of them. Yeah. I, I think you, there's so many of them. Just, I, I don't feel like I need to roster the main event in most of my lineups. Top three GPP plays as well as top three cash. Well, um, I think anybody in the Pereira Williams fight is GPP. Mm-hmm. Um, Tybura Hart is GPP. I would agree. One more fight that's GPP. Probably the picket fight. It's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, I mean, you know their styles, right? So it's kind of it's going to be fireworks. Uh, top three MVP plays. Ooh. So as I look at the, just kind of looking down, I mean, it's, it's buyer beware, but Chaos Williams or Michelle Pahea. I mean, I think, that, you know, you're looking yep. at a stoppage there. I think you, Hardy Tybura, I, I think you got to look at as MVPs there. Carl Roberson, even though you got to pay up a little bit, $20. Um, anybody else stick out to you? 23 for Nchukwu is crazy. Um, I think a Marlon Vera at 13 is just such a steal. I don't know if I put him in my MVP. But, I mean, 13 for Marlon Vera and 14 for Eubanks, those are great values for me. But um, I think he kind of hit the, the MVPs perfectly. Who's getting KO'd the fastest? Might be Aldo. I feel Ooh, that's like, bold. I, I that's think, bold. I think that goes the distance. That's bold. That's bold. I, I I take that back. I take that back. Probably Jamie Pickett. I think it's Chukwe. By the way, since I did see a, some uh, chat in the uh, the chat on this one, yeah, uh, when when we got uh, Pizza Fight officially booked, we will announce it here on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. That's already been discussed. <laughs> it's already already been discussed. Uh, it, that news will be broken here on Awesome. Um, but yeah, but of course, if you ever have any questions, uh, if you're a member of Awesomeo, if you're not a member, sign up right now, awesomeo.com slash join. You get that premium slot to get access to myself and Pete and all the great staff we hear at Awesomeo. Or, of course, uh, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Jason underscore Floyd. He is at Pete the Heat MMA. Pete, uh, anything you want to uh, touch on before we get out of here? I just want to say thank you guys for joining us in 2020. Like, you know, we got Saturday's show and then this is the final fight card of 2020. So we got big things coming in 2021 and uh, Jason and I are going to be back of course, and can't wait. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be very, very busy in 2021. They are hammering fights together. So uh, I cannot wait. And uh, you know, let's, let's finish the year with a a big card, but a good card. So I, I can't wait. Three weeks between fights, Pete. That's perfect. It's a nice little break, a little holiday break, but I think you guys are going to be like, uh, you know, jonesing for some MMA breakdown. So uh, it'll be perfect. Right for the Connor fight, and we'll be good. And, of course, I'll be back on Saturday for MMA Live Before Lock, and that is going to do it for this edition of the MMA Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com.